0: Dude, I've got bad news. Oh, no. We forgot to publish a podcast. We have a, a, a lost podcast episode. Hmm. Okay. So it's going to come out and be out of order and be kind of weird. But I just thought you should know. You, you
1: talked about that the other night.
0: No, nah, did I?
1: Yeah, you told me that. You, you somehow got it mixed up and, you know, shit happened.
0: Okay. the way it goes. It's I, I, awesome I, that you can get it out, though. I'd rather... I think it's good to get it out more than not shelf it oh yeah gotta get it out it's a good one sure. it's it's one where i'm funny and, and you make puns and then we talk about motorcycles oh no, that's that's amazing that's not the normal i know i know okay well, i forgot that i had told you so i was i guess this is a pointless phone call yeah, yeah no no problem I, I totally understand it's all good Hello, I'm Jensen Beeler. And I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. Two Enthusiast Podcast. It's all about Jensen this time.
1: <laughs> and you're so happy that you'd not only get to be featured, but then you didn't have to come up with a creative...
0: Yeah, easy peasy. Just to slam that one right in there. Yeah, for sure. Quentin, before we get started, I want to tell you and our listeners about a new project that I'm working on. All right. That's a plug time. Plug time. So I'm starting a new podcast. I'm going rogue, sir. Mm. Done with your kickstand bullshit. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. Oh,
1: I don't think you're done. There's going to be kickstands on this somewhere. <laughs>
0: oh, my gonna, you're going to be putting them up somewhere. Oh, my God. I'm going to be putting them up on my shelf. <laughs> so it's going to be called Motorcycles on the Record, Motor for short. Motor Podcast. And the idea is that it's going to be kind of a... I keep using the word clearinghouse for like these interviews that I'm doing while I'm working for Asphalt and Rubber, but it's going to be more than that. It's going to be more sit down with roundtables with journalists, interviews with people inside the industry. Because we've think-
1: done so many things where we have gotten little tangential bits from various people that might not make sense on our podcast, might not make sense on the on the MotoGP podcast, but. It makes sense for a new thing.
0: Right. Like, I think we'll still have guests on the show from time to time, guys and gals that ride bikes that are enthusiasts, and we just want to BS and talk about bikes. But this is going to be more nitty gritty. Let's interview and talk to someone in the industry about something that they're proficient in and what's going on in the zeitgeist and and all that jazz. So this show today, we're going to talk about the Honda Goldwing and the Ducati Panigale V4 since I was at both those launches. So to kind of start this new podcast, I did a couple round table sit downs with the journalists that were on these launches with you had
1: done the thing and got to chat about the the thing
0: with them. So just like you and I sit down on on my couch every week and talk about what's going on in the industry, these are going to be journalists sitting down at the end of a press launch and talking about the bikes that they just rode and and the things they just did or going to a race and talking to a racer about whatever that is that they do talking to CEOs and people in the industry about the challenges they are facing in their their companies and building motorcycles and all that jazz. So pretty excited to get that going. You can look for it in iTunes. We'll put it up on the AR for links and stuff like that. But if you like Two Enthusiasts, I think you're going to like this show too, because again, it's a bunch of people that are super stoked about bikes, talking about bikes. And Quentin, you're going to be on there too, helping me with a couple interviews. So it'll be good.
1: good. Yeah, for sure. And as we have seen, it's one thing that everybody talks about is there's a dearth of good podcasts in the Moto World and this will add to it for sure. And be still separate, so I like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah. let's get into the nitty gritty, sir. It's been
1: a while since we've podcasted. This and you have done all the things.
0: Yeah. This is our first recording in twenty eighteen. Yep. And we're almost at like the end of the month. So it's just kind of crazy. Hmm. Such is the backlog of the Toon Enthusiast Podcast mm-hmm. queue.
1: No comment. But yeah, let's go.
0: Yeah. Hey, anytime you want to uh, edit a show, let me know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Edit out your, <laughs> your <laughs> <laughs> good gracious. Yeah, it's been a busy it's been a busy couple weeks for me. Uh I think we teased it the last show we did. Uh I've been to the new Honda Goldwing launch, the sixth generation Honda Goldwing and Goldwing tour. Um get in there, Cody kitty, kitty. What is it? So I like this bag. It's got a it's got a roll top, and uh, (laughs) I can put all my kitten toys in here. And wax. It seems like it seems like it'd be good in the Portland weather. Yeah, sturdy construction. And uh, do you think there's any small pouches for catnip? (laughs) Yeah, just put your head right in there. Uh, (laughs) This is good radio. Yeah. Oh yeah, get a get a photo. We'll put it on Instagram. Great. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, put a paw in. She's gone. She's going into the abyss. Okay. all right we can keep going we don't need to all right it's very distracting because it's right in my eyeline oh sorry uh what else where was i rode the Goldwing. rode the new Goldwing at uh where were we austin texas just side out austin texas um snowed we'll get to that
1: <laughs> that's right <laughs> then, then i had like oh.
0: 12 hours home to like just basically clean the texan off of me hopped on a plane went to valencia spain Brand new track for me. To didn't go, snow there. Did not snow. Perfect. Sunshine, 70 degrees. Yeah. Awesome. Never ridden Valencia, which is a fun track, but I don't know how MotoGP GP is a there. It's boring, isn't it? Like, yeah.
1: Oh, it's weird. To say, I didn't even mean to say it like that, but it's a yeah. very tight. It's tight. Yeah. yeah huh. It's like a go-kart track. But really cool to view at, apparently. Yeah. Everybody you, says to go there because you can see all of it at once, right? You
0: look out from the pit lane and all you see are like the grandstands that kind of are along the edge and like you probably can see i think there's 13 corners in valencia you can probably see all at least 11 or 12 of them like i mean yeah. there's really not much that would be hidden maybe a couple turns are a little down sure but i was there riding the new ducati v4 or sorry ducati panigale v4 s and uh that was pretty awesome as well so i am here to talk about those things sir yeah let's do ask it ask your questions.
1: let's dig let's dig into it so i guess first off what a weird thing for, I mean, I was just in Texas not too long ago for Thanksgiving, and it was wonderful, like, in the 80s. I was riding dirt bikes. It was beautiful. And at that time, at having spent the first 20 years of my life in Central Texas, I know it could have been frozen, like, ice usually it's ice there. So I was stoked to be there in the winter. When I heard you were doing it there, I'm like, oh, well that should be okay. But I'm like, oh, January, all bets are off, man. So sure enough, you happen to be there. And one of the few times, it doesn't snow in Texas that often, but it did this time apparently. Yeah. Was it a heavy snow or was it just flakes for no, you?
0: No, We got, how much snow did we get? We got like maybe an inch of snow, which then turned into ice pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. And that was the real issue because we were going to go up to Fredericksburg and go into the hill country. Sure. And it wasn't so much the area around Austin where we were. It was kind of the back roads up yeah. to Fredericksburg with the, the good fun riding yeah. of Texas.
1: Yeah. That the only, only, that really was it. really
0: sketched out about and rightfully so. Like Even um on the first day when we did kind of like a modified route that was kind of out that way, we still saw... I don't know what you guys call them. Texas Department of Transportation trucks putting down deicer and getting ready for for the nonsense, which is, by the way, hilarious. Coming from Portland and seeing Texas being prepared for yeah. snow and ice, you're saying this, and Oregon and, is just like, oh, I don't know what to
1: do. Yeah, here's the deal, though. Not a lot of people realize how cold it gets in Texas and how often. Yeah. And really, there's no impediment to the cold air from Canada all the way down the great plains No, there really isn't just all the way straight to the gulf of mexico it's like there's a bunch of flyover states right there that the weather just flies <laughs> right, right, over. Just straight, right over it goes straight right over all the corn husks uh, and it's just like fuck you texas so i don't remember there ever being anything on the roads when i grew up in college station but i can imagine some of the bigger areas have to i i remember being there was snowing in dallas one time yeah it gets cold there The bottom line is it just gets cold as anywhere else In central Texas, you just don't know about it because in the summer, it's so hellishly, horribly humid, hot, right? Well, so how was it? What
0: was the deal? So, man, this is such a complicated thing to talk about. As it turns out, that's what we're here to do. I know, right? (laughs) It makes for a good show. (laughs) Like the, the too long, didn't read it TLDR review is, I hated it. It's the best bike in the class. Yeah. I mean, so it is what it is, right? Yeah, it's, it's a, a big huge, ass heavy thing. heavy yeah. motorcycle that you just pound pavement on all day long. It's a couch with wheels. In Honda's lineup, it sits somewhere in between like the Civic and the Accord. <laughs> uh, you make that. You, you were you waiting la- for that one. That's really laugh, good. But look at the pricing on those vehicles and at. Twenty six seven hundred, twenty six thousand seven hundred, two hundred dollars within of v four. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, it's it, it it is like a, I mean you can you can price a Goldwing up pretty quick. That's yeah, the so base you model. You can get well
1: into the thirties with the
0: airbag and the DCT. You can yeah, it gets expensive quick. You're talking
1: about an airbag on the bike, not you riding it. Right, right. Not
0: a Takata airbag too, by the way. Although it's funny, like right when I got huh. back uh, home to Portland. There was a re a, like a th- it's like the third issuance of a recall for Honda Goldwings with airbags because they have the Takata. Oh, they inflators. had the one the same thing that was only- everything with the airbag has like Takata in it. They're like the number three airbag provider in the world or huh. something.
1: So weren't you
0: you had to be impressed by its functionality, right? So that's what I say. Like like me as Jensen Beeler, asphalt and rubber, sport bike guy, track enthusiast. It's not my jam. This yeah. is not my jam. If I'm gonna go pound down a lot of pavement. I'm gonna look at like a sport touring bike, like a Super Duke GT or Multistrada, or you at know, the sp- most at a, be, like um, an, at most like an adventure touring bike. But I'm probably looking at like a sport tour or something with some some ergos, but still like a sporty flair. It's just not where I'm into. It's not where I'm at in yep, my evolution of my that. motorcycling. I'm still a young man. I have many years ahead of me. When I give up on life, I'll go buy a Goldwing. It's So like, mean. It is mean. It really is. But having ridden a few of these bikes in the class well that's what i was gonna ask did they have uh analogs for you to ride so the great part is i love i love this about honda sometimes they brought the fifth generation bike out it's a 2017 model yeah although really like that's been around since like 2001 or something yeah sure but um so we got to do a back-to-back to the old model which i thought was great and i've had a little bit of time on uh, the BMW K1600. Yeah, so you which know I would think is the, That would be, and, that, and before that, that would be like the bike I would recommend. The yeah. Harley, I hear good things about the Harley. I'm just not a Harley guy. Sure. It's just, uh, the <laughs> Yamaha looks fucking huge. Talking to a couple colleagues, like, yeah, it's really good. It just has like everything on it. And so like, let me, let me do a little spec sheet racing for you. The Honda isn't the lightest bike, the BMW is, but it's pretty dang close. It's uh, 787 pounds wet. Some of that helped by the fact that they took about a gallon off the fuel tank. So there's six pounds to be found there, but they've done a really good job. And I think this was part of their big focus for the sixth generation bike. They've done a really good job of making it more compact, of making it lighter, of making it feel lighter. And that's where like, even though the BMW, I think is like 12 or 16 pounds lighter, the way the motor sits in the chassis and the way that weight is on that bike, the Honda feels lighter when you're on it. The BMW is a little top heavy. And it's a little unwieldy, and I like that the, the Honda is really low to the ground, kind of like the uh, uh, what do you call it the Africa Twin, where the weight's really low, so you look at the spec you're like, "Oh, Africa twin, 500 and something odd pounds." Yeah, but a lot of that weight's really low, and you don't really notice it. It feels like a 450 pound bike because of it. I think the goldwing's the same way. Hmm. Um, that and did being you feel said, that that was- it's still a big it's still a big bird. You know, sure. and you so, put a passenger on it and you put luggage on it and you're looking at it close to a thousand pounds. Well, did it
1: feel any different than the older version?
0: Yes. In a lot of different ways. So the bike I was on was the Honda Goldwing tour, which is the one with the big backrest for the passenger. Mm-hmm. And it was fitted with the DCT gearbox. So there's two big dual thing. clutch transmission, dual clutch transmission. We talked about this on the last show, actually, yep. um, Just making sure everybody knows. Yeah. Which, which is like an interesting piece of technology, and I think the Goldwing makes the most sense for it. But I don't know. We don't have to talk about the DCT on, on its, its own because yeah. let's so let's, let's Tarantino back to that in a minute. So it has that what they're calling a double wishbone front suspension.
1: The Hossack, front,
0: but that's not a Hossack. Hossack but not a Hossack. And, they, and I actually had an engineer kind of point out the differences between a Hossack and the double wishbone. Oh, you're man, like, I wish you could tell me. And you're, like, sh- and you're like, okay, okay. I uh, I get why you can call it that. It is kind of splitting hairs. I think the, the raison d'etre is still there. Like the ethos yeah. of those yeah. front ends are still the same, executed in a very finite, different sort of way.
1: And seeing the video of all the, they had an interesting prop set up to where yeah, you, that was cool. You could put your foot down on a lever and move the suspension up and down, and I just the just the weight of it kind of freaked me out. The the watching people do it, it was like, that boy, that looks like a lot of heavy shit to do. That not that a, a fork is any that much better, but it's still. It, you know, visually, there's so much going on there. So many rose joints, Heim joints, whatever you're going to call. Well, them. That's gonna be so a ma- thing. So many things that I'm sure are just fine. But the mechanic in me is like, oh man, you have to worry about trailing arms and leading links and crap that has to be changed other than fork seals and for and bearings. How about for truing
0: it? it? You know, because it has. You're gonna have to make sure it's centered and everything.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. But I, knowing Honda, they have a jig that you know each dealership's gonna get. They're the gonna, j- the all you, all get you have with to do it? is plug it in on the sides and boom and you're done. I bet it's not that di- that difficult to do, but yeah, it could, it could add a, a, a bit of a, a problem to it, sure.
0: But yeah, so that, that front end was an interesting thing. Um, I think from an engineering point of view, it allows Honda to do a couple things with the design of the bike that they needed to do in order to achieve. I mean, they dropped like 90 pounds off the, orig- the other model. That's the, so the fifth gnarly, generation man. Model. So the, the front end helps achieve that. It is a little vague, though. And that was one of the things going back and forth between the 2017 and the 2018. You definitely get a bit more input from the telescop- telescopic forks. And I think a lot of it has to do with just that's what we're used to.
1: Absolutely, man. How many other types of weird front-end bikes have you had a chance to ride?
0: It's like the Moto SIS, which is still yeah, fairly you can't telescopic-y. Even, yeah,
1: that's not even. So what about the BMW? Is that one the
0: well, uh, Hossic one?
1: Is that a Hossic one? The K? Telelever. Automotive type. Telelever. It has the Hossack style, which I don't think they call the Telelever.
0: No, I think that is the Telelever. Are you sure? No.
1: I, I don't know. BMW speed? Bottom line is it doesn't have telescopic forks. But if you haven't had a chance to ride um, many BMWs, but you have. You've spent... It's
0: the Dual Lever. Dual Lever. The oh, rear, okay. So this is why I already get fucked up. The Paralever is the rear suspension. The yep. Dual Lever is the front suspension. And the tele- Telelever is on the, the R bikes. And
1: it's a different type of... of right. Again... It has what looks like telescopic forks, but they're actuated in a way that again gives a Billy strange feel. Guiding tubes, yeah. Yep. So, having spent time on a bemoda Tessie, which has a super weird hub yeah, center steering, hub center steering, and having spent a lot of time on a, uh, our bike from the early two thousands, uh, I spent uh, you know a few thousand miles riding one of those sport sport oriented bike. You, you just get used to it after a while, but it takes a long time to get used to it. A bike that's that doesn't dive that's when you're braking. Or there isn't as much engineered. You can engineer more dive into it. And they did. So Honda engineered
0: a little bit of dive into their but, system but not just so they wouldn't freak people out. Sure. And that and that's why I say like they're, it's it's an interesting design. It's an interesting motorcycle because when I first got on it, we go into the first few turns, and I'm like, oh, God, this fucker isn't turning. And like it just... It didn't have the instinct that I was used to. And so I had to question the turn in. I had to question the lean over as we rode on and on and on. Then you're like, okay, now I'm starting to trust this more. It's telling me it's like speaking to me in French when I'm expecting English, you know, you're like, okay, like I can kind of, I can kind of like, I'm starting to figure you out. I'm starting to figure out the translation. And now we're starting to converse and have like a conversation with each other, which is like a weird way to think about it. But that's how I I I approached it. Sure. So, the first reaction was like, okay, this is really weird and different. And then as the day goes on, like, okay, now I trust my turning points. And we had one them photo stop and my passenger's like, I thought you were going to go fast. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And like I threw it around some more. Oh, hold on. So you had a passenger. I had a passenger. The whole time? The whole time. Like, and you never rode the bike without
1: a passenger? Uh, not very far without a passenger. Huh. Okay. So that was planned into it. Honda went to the extra effort of saying, hey... We're gonna get passengers for you, or we're gonna allow you to bring. They, passengers.
0: they they encouraged us to bring a passenger okay. because for them the the use this this whole trip was designed to be around like what they foresee being the typical use case for the bike. And sure. Honda has a bit of research that suggests that Goldwing touring people aren't going across the country with it; they're going on weekend trips. Yeah, so
1: there's by, a few. Large, there are people that do it a lot, and they're very visible to right. most of us in the industry. You think. That's what you think of when you think right. of goldwyn people. They go all over the, the, Air the nation. Arrow
0: stitch suits, yeah, CB sure. radios. And but just it's
1: just like Harley people. You assume they're all riding. Often those bikes just languish in garages. Often. Same goes with a, a Goldwing. Just because it's owned doesn't necessarily mean it's constantly going back and forth across the United States. They're just, so you're seeing that they're – they are saying that they see a lot of day trips just like you and I would use – A normal touring bike so that begs the question why or have they continued to sell them even though they're a bevy of other lighter faster more engaging machines or do they continue to sell them
0: because goldwing has such a name they showed us sales i mean the goldwing i mean truthfully the goldwing is the flagship model of honda just as you know we'll talk about the panigale is the flagship model of ducati like this is their their bright star in the lineup um and I think that's why at one point in time they are made in the USA. Now they're made back in um, Hamamatsu. Uh, Hamamatsu. Is it? Uh, yeah, they was made in Marysville for a real long time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting from that perspective. But they they looked at the data. They they you know they did their market research and they they basically built this bike around what they see the core demographic doing with it, which is weekend trips with a passenger, mm-hmm. with luggage for two, three days, that sort of thing.
1: Which I think is very neat that they decided, hey, not only you're going to come here, but we're encouraging you to bring somebody because that shows it up. That right. shows what the bike does. This That's is, really this cool. This is
0: exactly the kind of trip. It's like, oh, hey, you live in Austin. You're going to go get away for the weekend, go up to Fredericksburg, ride the twisty road, stay yep. in a nice place and overlook the river and come back down and sure. back to civilization. So it makes sense from that. My only issue with it, is I think Honda got hyper focused on that data, and maybe ignored some of the more minority users that still have like a strong voice. Like we said, like the the people that are gonna go from coast to coast, sure, north to south, pole to pole, whatever crazy mileage. And that they they're might doing. do that
1: maybe a couple times a year. They're retired and they yeah. do it a lot
0: <clears throat> because I think the biggest detriment, if we want to get into like deal breakers, is the luggage. 110 liters of luggage it's down like 40 or 60 liters from the previous model holy shit a lot a lot smaller the pannier boxes are 20 liters each no they're 30 liters each the pannier boxes are 30 liters each and they're oddly shaped huh and the top box is 50 liters and it doesn't hold two helmets what if honda says it does bullshit no one on our ride could get two helmets in there huh. I think it's very specific brands very specific models and very specific sizes and even then you still have to kind of origami like I was told you have to like put them on their side hmm. I'm not putting my helmet on its side inside the box it's gonna go scratched up <laughs> Um, but like my passenger and I like we the weather was really variable we started out in the morning it was a little bit under 30 degrees we finished the day it was almost 70 yeah. so we had a couple different Classic layers
1: Texas day
0: a couple different layers, couple different visors, some water, some snacks. A good a good test of not, having all the crap, but and- like not a lot of gear. Like we're not, we're not sitting down here like packing packing a lot of clothing. Filled the panniers with that, no problem. Uh, and then the top box we could put her helmet in. Couldn't fit mine, and we're just like, okay, so this is we're pretty much tapped out. Like we weren't even really trying, and we're we're tapped out on space, and like that's kind of worrying. Like what happens when you do want to do on that? I don't think I get three days worth of, of clothing in there. Now, without putting it like in stuffed sacks and having it be all wrinkled and crazy. I don't know. I feel like that's a huge miss for Honda. Did you look at
1: the old bike and uh, open up the bags and see? I didn't open up the bags and see it on that, but I know what the specs are. Yeah. Um, the difference, though, between 40 liters that is oddly shaped and 40 liters that is well-shaped yeah. makes does make a difference as far as packing. Yeah. Right? It's like having what we're used to. Uh, b- bags that open from the side uh, or zip. Uh, how do right. you say that? we we'll always call it uh, vertically split instead of with a a cap, a horizontal cap, right? That makes a big difference because it makes it kind of fucky to be uh, vertical, yeah. even though I'm When, used you, to when you
0: unzip the pander and all your stuff falls out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that. I love that design.
1: So on the Honda, it's kind of a, a hybrid, it, like a quarter of the things come up. Is that right?
0: Uh, It's still a side... A side loader but it's got a pretty big top that kind of like yeah. you're not gonna like lose all your stuff out in the wind whatever but this comes back to like the boxes were really cheap feeling there's a couple of things <clears throat> all the luggage spaces on the on the Goldwing felt really really cheap and that was really surprising for something that's almost 30 grand you're expecting satin lined uh no no, no. i mean just fit and finish like like uh, there's a an alarm system, there's like, like a warning system on the dash if your luggage compartments are open. No, oh, that's good. Every time we open up a luggage, I get an alert. We have to go back, slam it shut because it just wasn't latching all the way. There's a um, kind of a for the for the rider. There's kind of like a tank luggage compartment where you can put yeah. gloves like, your, and sunglasses. Not even like sunglasses. It's where you hook your phone into the infotainment yeah. system. You can put your wallet. That thing, like almost never opens up. Like you have to get your nail under it and flick it open. Like the clearance is just really bad. It's a really cheap, flimsy plastic. So are the, the, the luggage compartments on the back. And you're just sitting there just like, this feels really cheap. All the paint is, um, orange peely. You know, it's got that orange peel finish from, from the painting process, not being quite right at the factory. And you just sit there and just like, man, for, for this being the flagship model for Honda, and for how much it costs, I just expected it to be a little bit more refined and a little bit better.
1: Because you know the BMW would be And the level.
0: Germans are very good at those kind of things. And that's one of the things I see the K16 having a little bit more of the edge. And truthfully, it's a cheaper bike and, you know. until you start pricing out BMW's craziness. But that's all right. Um, You're saying as
1: far as like... It's cheaper
0: starting, but but as soon as you get it even close to the same spec as the Honda would probably end up being well into the 30s. I didn't spend a ton of time on BMWs doing the configuration stuff, but yeah. I mean, there's enough stratification in Honda's lineup and enough stratification in BMWs. Like, I'm not going to sit there and split too many hairs. Sure. It's like, choose your own adventure. And then the
1: Yamaha, is a similar?
0: The Yamaha, I don't know enough because Yamaha doesn't invite me to press events anymore. Mm, mm, It's too bad. Yeah. Interesting. How are your sales doing? Um... (laughs) So, so that was like the big detriment for me. Those, were, those were my big negatives. Like, I think the fit and finish coming in a little bit better. It wasn't quite to the level that I would expect for a flagship model. The luggage is going to be a huge issue, especially for diehard yeah, riders. Yeah, and you can already see it, like in the forums, people are kind of losing their mind over it. I think. For like 80, 75%, 80% of riders, it's going to be fine. Yeah. But there's a vocal 25% that wanted that extra 50 liters or whatever it was. And they wouldn't give it. a shit that it was lighter or heavier or, or yeah. whatever. They, they want that thing. Okay. So that might be a tough pill. That might be a deal breaker for some things. And Honda's expecting to sell a lot of a lot of Goldwings, And I don't think that prediction is going to be quite correct looking at this kind of issue. That being said... They hit some things out of the park. It's the first motorcycle with Apple CarPlay. They're working on getting the Google Android car system hooked up as soon as Google pulls its head out of its ass. Uh, the the interface... Is, I'm sorry. I don't know what Apple CarPlay is. You'd have to be more into cars. So like this is like the new interface for smartphones and vehicles, automotive uh, vehicles. Apple's Bluetooth made its own thing platform. Thing? Uh, you have to connect via a hard cable. Huh. But yeah, it's, it's like I can listen to Spotify even though... yeah. Like and like and have the menu for Spotify be on the infotainment system. Got it. Okay. And I could use my Apple Maps, and I can it'll pull <clears> my contacts. So it's just like a way of the phone being a bridge to the apps you already have. Sure. And Apple's got their own version. Microsoft has their own version. Google has its own version, and they're all kind of fighting it out to see who wins. Got
1: it. So if I go buy one of these things, I have a, a Samsung based or Android based thing. I'm not going to be able to do that thing yet. You but can still
0: Bluetooth and you can still connect the old way and that's not you know okay. too shabby. Yeah. But it won't quite have the whammy-bammy. And Apple CarPlay, it has its own issues and I don't want to get into it too much. Yeah, sure. Got it. That's an area that's evolving. It's just interesting to see. And I'm just glad that Honda was like, hey, this is something that's in the space. We might as well
1: get on the, on the front side of this now, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, every truthfully, every manufacturer should be jumping on these bandwagons because every one of their riders has a smartphone with features sure. that they would like to be able to use. Sure. The interface for the for the the buttons and for the infotainment, the windscreen, all that's great. You know, they really did a great job of making a, a a really good cockpit for the rider. Really big flat seats for the passenger and the rider. It's very comfortable. Um, I still kind of preferred the 2017 seat, the older seat, because it kind of cupped you a little bit better, but not making like a huge a huge thing out of it. The thing that is really interesting. And this is what I wanted to get to was the dual clutch transmission. And so this is the third generation, uh, dual clutch transmission DCT from Honda. So
1: the first was in the VFR 1200. The second was in the, um, uh, the trans, I'm sorry, Africa trans, twin, Africa twins. I keep wanting to say trans Alp dating myself. I think, I think the
0: trans Alp is coming. I think they're making a trans uh,
1: <laughs> We should get into that. Yeah. But yeah, but that's, to me, that's what a trans Alp was. Cause we didn't have an Africa twin until now. Anyway. So then this, so this is the third version, right? And that motor, and I made a, a facetious post of the engine. You had posted a picture of both engines, right? And I was like, "Which car did this come out of?" Right? Because right. it's to me, it, it's that's obnoxious. It's a huge car engine looking thing.
0: It's a 1.8 liter engine, and <laughs> it you could know, literally go six. in a car. It would work pretty well in a car, I'm sure. It would. It makes like 120, <laughs> 130 horsepower and 125 pound yep. feet of torque. Like sure. it's, it's like uh, on the Civic. Yeah. You know. Yeah, sure. Um, but the DCT is interesting, and I think they made some interesting advances with that so i mean it's way more overdriven than the previous model i think fifth gear on the old bike which is five speed is just a tad under sixth in terms of ratios and then the dct adds a seventh speed to it so you're cruising at like 1500 rpms at freeway speed, barely loping along which is awesome and that's where i think they're making their their mileage gains and then when you whack it open at that it probably goes okay well that depends what mode you're in and this is another thing i think honda did really well where the riding modes are actually different like the touring mode if you're touring and it's in seventh you're on the freeway truthfully you're in seventh when you're doing like 35 miles an hour it yeah, just true. loves putting you in seventh all day long you give it some gas and you don't really go that quick and then maybe it downshifts and it kind of goes like you're like okay but it's touring mode you put that thing in sport mode and that bike wakes up and that's cool you put it in economy mode it fucking sucks but it <laughs> it's not doing any gas like it, it's exactly what it should be doing economy yep. mode should suck because mm-hmm. you're out there yep. just like hey i want to get as many miles as i can <laughs> yeah, sure Sure. you got like your catheter. I'm going to draft this Prius. Yeah, I'm going to draft the Prius. I'm going to get 800 miles on this tank. <laughs> All right, old timer. <laughs> and then I didn't really do rain mode, but I'm sure it just less power, less throttle input. Um, you
1: didn't do rain mode even though it was icy?
0: or It, it wasn't w- icy nice when we were out there. We had a pretty good day. Oh, okay. It on. was the next day that we had the ice icepocalypse. Okay. And we didn't ride. Okay. So I think that the riding modes are really smart. The only thing I don't like, and this is where I come back to the DCT, when you come to a stop, when like you're slowing for a, a stoplight or something or a stop sign, you get these like kind of lurch. Like it's a very smooth actuation, but on de there's just enough of a – I I call it a drag. Your head doesn't mm-hmm. like do the thing, but you feel it kind your, of your head uh, doesn't do the thing. You know, like where your head like makes that lurch and then your passenger like head like oh, hits okay. you in the back of the head. Yeah. It doesn't sure. do that. But you feel the bike lurch and Mm -hmm. then lurch and then lurch as As each gear is uh, being downshifted. Ah,
1: okay. As you're slowing down. As you're
0: slowing down. And it's not like a big deal except that you're on like a 1,000 pounds of machine. So like when you're going like 15 miles an hour or so, a little bit of a lurch is enough to be like, okay. Because you only have like maybe 15 degrees of lean before like that bike's going over. You're not saving that. You know it's so heavy, like you really have yeah. to keep it up and down. And the lurch is just disconcerting enough that I never really got comfortable at low speed slowdowns. Like, I get my feet out a little early, and I'm just kind of like, uh, uh, okay, oh, now, oh, now we're lurching. I got to kind of correct. Da-da-da-da. Whereas, if I had had a clutch, I could just bang down my gears, ease out my clutch, I've got enough left-hand control that I can make gear changes and downshifts and all those things nice and smooth for my passenger. And I liked being able to have that refinement and that control. And it was the same thing during low speed maneuvering. Uh, when we, when we were leaving the hotel in the morning, the very first, like 10 feet on the bike, we get on it. And like, I just start going towards this stone wall because I don't have the, the clutch to feather the throttle and the power coming out of the the right hand was so kind of quick and torquey that it kind of like the bike kind of got away from me where I'm just like, Oh my, Oh, 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 okay. Oh, we're heading towards this wall. I better dip it in and make my turn because otherwise we're going to go hit something. I'm going to look like an idiot. And it was just like the lack of being able to feather the clutch as I'm giving throttle input to modulate the power and to modulate my slow speed turning, that takes a little getting used yeah, to Yeah, I was
1: about to say, you get used to that though, though you right? You get used
0: to it, but it's easier to get used to it on a bike like the VFR and the Africa Twin that are much, much lighter. When you start putting this on a thousand pounds, you know, 800 pound bike. Oh yeah, sure. It exacerbates it little, any it weird little, little thing bit, like that. It gets a little bit more thing. Now, got used to it over the course of the day. But that was one of the things that struck me, like, you know, I really do like having, especially when we jump back to the 2017 model, it's like, yeah, I really do like having that clutch. They make for, it without the DCT. They do. Okay. They do. And that's where I sat there. I'm just like, I don't know if I get a DCT bike.
1: What did the, did the mode changing change the way the downshifting happened or
0: did it happen in any way pretty one much the, the same. I mean, okay. actually, truthfully, I think touring was the best. You put it in the sport mode, and it, it, it's downshifting quicker, so you're yeah. higher in the revs. That's why I asked. So I figured there more, had to be a little bit of that. Yeah, you get them a little bit more dragged. But I think overall, the bike's really, really good. There's a couple things, like the, the bags and the fit and finish, that I really don't like the choices that Honda made there. I don't know if I'm sold on the DCT, but there's a couple cool things that the DCT allows them to do, which I kind of get. But I think, I think Honda's going to do well with this bike. I'm not... I'm not too worried for them on it. I'm not the demographic. You and I aren't the demographic. Sure. So it's kind of hard to speak to that sometimes. But like putting myself in that space and looking what's in the market, I totally get this over venture, a venture. like Yamaha Star Venture. You know, that weighs 960 pounds. You know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, the Harley and the, weighs 910. And,
1: and not everybody, as awesome as V-Twins are, not everybody wants that. And the idea of having a boxer, for those who don't know, this is a boxer six-cylinder. Yeah. So, flat, um, a flat six, which is ironic compared to the BMW being an inline six. Inline six. six. It's not that ironic because BMW has some pretty epic cars in its past that are inline sixes. But-
0: well, I think that motor. I think the motor layout is really what makes those bikes so different for me because the inline six, it's, it's a little taller, sure. the engine's a little bit higher, and that's yeah. and that's my complaint about the BMW. Because at the end of the day, like with such heavy bikes, you really are managing the weight. You really are like, okay, what's my because my if my passenger my passenger is squirreling around on the back seat, maybe doing something with their radio, or whatever, or getting their phone out, and I'm stopped and the bike's doing this yeah. little downshift, like that can make for an interesting situation, as it can on any motorcycle. Sure, but it only gets more of a deal of a big deal when you are managing so much weight, like a yeah. thousand pounds plus on some of these bikes. What did your passenger think about it? Liked it. Liked it a lot. Thought the back seat was really comfortable. A lot of wind protection.
1: Did your she passenger was the also get a chance to ride it?
0: No. And that's one of the interesting things. So my passenger is five two and we talked about her maybe riding it. She's a very accomplished motorcyclist. And, you know, we're kind of looking at it and she sits on it and she's just like, yeah, I can kind of flat foot it and I can kind of like, she can kind of get it up, you know, vertical yeah. and, and, and stable. But it was one of those things where like, if I'm having trouble, like keeping it in like, like at 15 degrees, like yeah, for sure. her, it's almost like a five degree Delta. Yeah. It's just like, I just don't feel comfortable. Fair enough. And, and that's it.
1: why I asked. Cause I, I knew uh, the stature of the person. So I was thinking there's a chance that that person can ride that. But, you know, I, all of us could ride weird shit. Doesn't mean it's sure. a good thing. Doesn't mean it's it's justifiable to do every could time. Could she right?
0: do it? Absolutely. Would she? Did she want to? No. And I yeah. think that's the key. And that might be the thing that Honda... I would say that Honda made a miss on this. I think this segment kind of makes a miss. Like, you really kind of are... I mean, granted, my passenger is quite short. Uh, she's a foot taller than... Or a foot shorter than me. But like an average height woman, maybe it changes a little bit. But I do think there is kind of a thing where like you are kind of segmenting out shorter riders by having vehicles like this that are so tall. Now there might be a, a shorter option seat. I think that sounds right. If I, if I go back in my brain, that,
1: that's not really even the height as much as it is the, the, the combo of a little bit of height and the, and they, the weight. And what are you going to do? You want it's a, it's a long distance touring machine. It's kind of like a superbike. I'm sorry. It, it, there's a huge compromise to lower a superbike seat height enough to write to, because all the structure all the fast go, go fast bits are in the spot where they have to have tall. it's like dirt bikes right, right. And sorry in order for I'm dirt bike lower it to well, do the thing, clearance. exactly yeah. so there there is an unfortunate knock-on effect of height for motorcycles in general it's something we deal with in the industry quite a bit and it is a problem and but it's not an easily solvable one
0: yeah yeah and i come back to like I wonder, if, like, if I had a challenge for the Honda engineers for the seventh generation bike, I'd be like, take 200 pounds off of it. <laughs> no, like, seriously, though, because, yeah. like, for me, that's my biggest detriment. That would be, like, the reason I, Jensen Bueller, don't buy a Goldwing is because I can go buy an ADV bike that's 600 pounds or less. Then, then
1: they need to make a Silverwing again. They need to make it. But a, the Silverwing
0: was, like was like a glorified scooter. Oh, but um, What I, I'm just you saying, to, use like, the name to make a smaller version,
1: version maybe without... All of the, but like a bronze wing, they could probably pick one of their other machines that I'm not aware of in their lineup and say, well, that's what this does. It was like the CTX. There's a couple.
0: Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Sure. That, but that for me is just one of like, I sit there. I'm like, why is this bike so fucking heavy? Like, what is it about this bike that makes it so heavy? It has to carry that
1: goddamn engine. And I'm sorry. I don't (sighs) care how light they make it. That is a big engine and it makes a lot of torque. So you have to have a lot of structure. The last bike was aluminum frame and I remember when that came out, that was a huge deal. Number one, because it was aluminum and it looked like the frame off of a of, of a full on sport bike. Right. A, right. A, you know, it was it really had that twin trick. spar
0: design. Then, yeah. Then
1: on top of that, then there was a recall for those. Um, so you know, that happened where they it wasn't necessarily a recall, but there was a point where they had to get a few of them back in to have a, a a portion of it re-welded. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was an, you should look that one up. That was a gnarly deal. I knew a couple people that were involved with the fixing of those. Cause that was something that Honda definitely swept, swept, swept as much as possible, but it was an issue. But I remember that being a big deal that that bike went from being steel. So to, to, to take it to the, the extent that they have to make it light this time is of note that they did as much as they did. Could they take 200 pounds and still have the same machine?
0: Now, Quentin, no. it's going to come out in like 30 years. <laughs> that's you know? true.
1: Yeah, maybe so. By that time, somebody will found the, the great magnesium reserve and the special coating and plating that
0: you can put on it. Carbon fiber. It's going to be like a composite oh, yeah. of some It'll kind. be Totally. But, like, you know, you make the joke, <laughs> but like, I think that's legit. Like, you could get to that point where that really would be my challenge to them. Make, make this bike yeah. lighter because the yeah. things that you're making refinements on, like, okay, the switches are a little bit better. And it's actually, one of my colleagues was telling me something like, there's 30. Less switches. Oh, nice! On the new model versus ah, the old model, that's un- a gnarly. And yeah. hopping on the old model, I was like, "Holy switches, Batman!" Like, yeah. there's, there's a just, lot going on. It's like it's like almost like the Farkles, like the ADV uh-huh. guys that are like super into their Farkles. Uh-huh. I feel like the touring guys are just oh, yeah. super switches. into their switches. Absolutely, give me there all was the like switches. Eighteen switches for the CB radio that I don't want to use. <laughs> I'm just sitting yeah. there going like, really, like really?
1: This this entire panel is CB radio. I figured you for a ham radio operator. No,
0: I'm not that weird.
1: I could imagine. I could see. I it. don't like
0: talking to people. That's my thing. <laughs> I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> breaker breaker five nine. Oh god what's your
1: 20 uh. i'm hauling a big load <laughs> oh no god damn it you know he's like bouncing down
0: man oh. <laughs> it's just not my jam okay so
1: lots of switches and a lot of it was uh tightened up by the 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 interface probably with
0: some sort of a round a wheel, dial thing which is great but you can't use it while you're actually moving which is dumb what and then the handlebar because then there's the handlebar version of it which is really kind of cumbersome with thick gloves so the BMW th- one, there's a circle-y thing on, and that's the, on, on like
1: the on the bar, right? That's on the clutch side, yeah. Yeah, and that seems... That's pretty good. Yeah,
0: that seemed to be a good one. There's what a, about,
1: does it have a reverse?
0: Yes. And did you use there's it? There's a crawl mode and there's a reverse. I use those. They're great. You kind of have to like, they're finger and thumb actuated, kind of like the traction control is on the, the Aprilia's. Oh, so you don't have to flip up a uh, a lever mm-hmm. on the side of the mm-hmm. bike? You push a button on the left-hand control. ha huh. And then you have two other buttons that modulate forward and reverse. All
1: right. On the older bikes, there's this lever that was down. Yeah, because uh, you're probably like physically you putting, were, you engaging were, a You were engaging a linkage. And in this case, there, I remember somebody saying, and this is super trick, perhaps you can verify this, that the starter, sorry, the generator. Yes. Is what is what they're using to use as a reverse gear. The
0: starter and the generator are integrated, yeah, and they use those. That's super trick. Forward crawl and the and the reverse crawl. So that. For, for super
1: trick. Every everybody super needs trick. to know how rad that is. That is super awesome, right? And this is maybe some... my
0: favorite feature of the bike, and it's kind of like one of those just for like a techie. Like, oh yeah, like, oh, I want to see it. Who came up with that? Yeah. Who who came up with that? You get a raise. You right? You Absolutely. get you get like extra Mountain Dew
1: at the end of the year. That was a good call because we were just talking about this today. That um, trying to to make a reverse for the Altas because it's lit literally oh, you? a button it's a firmware change which is substantial you have to do a lot for that but then all it would have to be is a couple of guidelines bike stationary press a button goes in reverse mode only goes so fast and that way if you're stuck in some sort of weird treacherous area and you need to maneuver it backwards it's that easy because you're not having to do any structure changes you don't have to change make gears you're not have to make linkages and shit like that
0: i'm gonna speak to my boy derek i'm gonna say two words we need to get on this project parking break yeah um this is a known thing yeah especially when i'm on a hill uh-huh. doing the dirty biking yep and i crash or i do something stupid because it's called asphalt and rubber for a reason and i <laughs> no, go rolling back down the it hill
1: it doesn't mean and make, it's not just you Yeah. and there's other vehicles that are in the space yeah. that have that and it makes perfect sense you're and,
0: in san francisco there's hills you should have figured this out already yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> gonna get an angry letter now <laughs> yeah all right okay all right back to uh back to hondaland so Honda Land. that's just seems to be a general uh, around the suspension was okay the brakes were okay the engine was okay brakes,
0: brakes are great brakes are great they they did a great job on that did you Major get the abs to activate at all probably a little didn't. not really okay not enough. really i'm with a passenger about yeah, i'm not, not i would just we did, we did one photo stop where i kind of got like a dig in the rib and she's like asphalt and rubber huh i thought you were into sport bikes let's go and i'm like oh okay yeah we, oh, kind of th- we
1: threw it game down on my lady yeah i'm like oh,
0: okay then <laughs> hold uh, on that go, thing would on, have been madam. that would have been making some <laughs>
1: noises after that for sure did you drag much? I, didn't,
0: I didn't drag much but uh one of my canadian fellows did the clearance on those things is pretty good like we got pretty good lean without dragging which is another reason why i might not buy some of the other brands in this space where you look at them just like man that thing is cranked over and it's like 10 degrees of lean. Yeah, sure. Good lean. Like you can haul the business on these if you really want to. It's yeah. not that bad. Once you get it moving. And then once you get used to that once strange feel. Once you get used feel, to the input, that's the thing. As soon as you get as soon as you start trusting that front end and what it's telling you, the bike really does become fun to ride fast. And
1: so the 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 suspension as far as going over expansion joints or general comfort it really, worked very well nice is there yeah.
0: mode changes is there electronic yes. suspension the suspension the electronic suspension changes its settings based on what mode you're in and then you can set like like a general kind of preload yep. with passengers luggage you know that little okay so front away, and rear front and rear
1: is it active
0: not that you know of no it's not active okay I don't think so, so you
1: set it it sets either damping or spring only on the rear, probably. I'm guessing. Oh no, no, it's it has front a shock, rear. In it's front. shock in the front. It's shock in the front. Double brain, shocker. My brain's all. I don't remember seeing that. Well, that's why I didn't because it, it doesn't have forks. Okay, cool. Right on. That's neat. That's another reason to have that suspension because it makes it a lot easier to do things like that. To have a single damping unit instead of having to deal with forks, which are a pain in the butt when yeah. it comes to that. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's good. And it actually was really
0: interesting to see. You can kind of see the, um, I don't know how to describe this. It kind of looks like little, little itty bitty fork tubes. that are part of the linkage for the, the double wishbone. And you can see them from the rider's perspective when you're going Mm -hmm. on the road and you can see them like, they go boom, 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 boom. And it gives you an idea of like how much Uh the suspension Uh is soaking up on the road. You're like, Oh, yeah. You don't get a chance
1: to see that normally yeah. even, right? Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. That I cool. like that. Uh, that's a big deal.
0: But yeah, it was very plush. I was very impressed with the suspension and the brakes. Um, Wind- windscreen. I am I have a very long torso. For me, I need an extra long windscreen because the cutoff of the windscreen is right in my eyeline when it's at full up. Huh. So like that transition from plexiglass to clear vision is very distracting. So I would need another two, three inches as, as we all would. <laughs> um, the plexiglass was a little reflective. I, I don't know. Again, like going back to like the material choices and like, can you angle it? Can you change its you, angle? In, 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 no, you, not the angle. Just up and it down. It just goes
1: up and down and you can't. Okay.
0: But when it's fully up, I mean, no wind, my, my passenger did not feel anything back there. Wind wise. No Brought buffeting down, at all. Nothing. Awesome. perfect you're which just i would like, expect. you're like in a car yeah and even when you bring it all the way down which is what i kind of liked it and preferred it at um for my vision and just i don't mind a little wind in my hair yeah sure no buffeting it was very very neutral it was good it was good very good wind for how cold it was that bike wrapped the wind around us in a way that we never really noticed it heated seats heated grips awesome
1: did you ride at night at all
0: we ended the day in the dusk evening lights good we didn't really it wasn't really a good spot to test the lights all right i'm not really worried about it i'm trying to be thorough here man. no no i I got you i got you and people ask me about the lights on the site and it's just
1: i'm sure we didn't really do that i'm I'm not
0: really worried about the lighting on it big led lights
1: all right final thing how was it to put down on the kickstand was it good or center stand even, but kickstand. Was it kickstand?
0: Kickstand was good. Good kickstand <laughs> actuation. Honda engineers really, really thought that one through. It's, it's not automatic, find, though. You don't press get... a button to have it go down like I want. Here's the Q the stand. That's what I do want, though. I, the quick I, stand. You look at Honda's little self, whatever that concept was called. Self-flagellating? No, that's different. <laughs> Flagellation? Flagellation. <laughs> Flagellation.
1: Uh, <laughs> like a flagella. <laughs> flatulate self flatulating you're doing that all the time
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mean the the bike that holds that balances on its yes. own whatever that, that one was. for me i think that's got to be a feature in the next bike and hmm. that and that should be like if they got a less to, like, weight but definitely have this i want you to drop 200 pounds but make it <laughs> but make it have a gyro that keeps it upright i have very high demands for the honda engineering team i have very high expectations I bet the gyro could be part of that uh,
1: starter slash reverse gear somehow. Too, yeah, just right? figure it out. Yeah, f- figure it out.
0: They're clever little fuckers. They'll yeah, figure it absolutely.
1: out. Absolutely, it'll end up being a flywheel, and then it'll you'll it'll actuate something else. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, little clutches, little little two way clutches for doing. that. Well, the- that'll be around the time when the <laughs> when the TCT, the triple clutch transmission, ah, yeah, comes for out for sure. Right. And then it's gonna be like the four clutch. It's tra- gonna be a whole thing like that. They're gonna Honda that one into oblivion.
1: I just built a Lego. Oh yeah. Uh the it's a Porsche 911 GT3 RS Lego. It's a 2700 piece Lego and it was like $275 or $300 something. It's a gnarly. But I've I've built a few of these Lego Technics in my day and I hadn't built one in many years, probably 10 years. So I saw somebody else on Facebook with it and I was like, "Oh my god, I have to have that." So I ordered it up for Christmas for myself. So I got it. It has and I'm not kidding you, a I I don't even know how to. Describe, it has a paddle shifting that you can shift from the cockpit. Um, they I mean you can't really call it a clutch system, but it it's it mimics the clutch. It operation. does. It it absolutely functions to engage and disengage multiple gears with a very cool little set of elements, and this is all done with Lego little mini Lego gears, and it's really cool. I mean it'd be worthwhile to show somebody. That mechanism to try and explain a transmission um, and how it, how it might function, right? Anyway, sorry. I had to bring that up because talking about these things, it has it in my head because I just finished it and it was super rad. So there's that.
0: No, I was jealous. I had posted that same thing to another one of our friends' walls. Is that where you saw it? Or you saw this independently? What's that? I put it on Ryan's wall. What? Like, hey, I found your Christmas present.
1: Oh. The- you didn't see that. The the, the, the Porsche? Porsche. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't see that. Oh, no. interesting. I had just uh, a friend of mine that's a actually that's an Olympic level shooter, like a uh, pew pew pew. Yeah. No.
0: What are you? Shotgun?
1: No. Um. Twenty like, two. Yeah. Like, but with those really fancy, like, it, it might even be more than twenty two. I think he's all kinds. Anyway, he's he's in the military and he also does. I, I don't know what you call that. It's sad. I'm, I'm bummed that whatever the shooting is, that you it's Olympic level, uh, tra- whatever target shooting it is, he, he posts up this picture of this car. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know that happened. And it's been out for a couple of years, but super stoked. Yeah, cool. All right. So enough heavy Hondas. Let's talk about lightweight Ducatis.
0: Yeah, you, could you pick, Two more dichotomous motorcycles oh, to no. talk about. It's one so show. strange to think that they're within a couple of hundred
1: dollars of price of each other. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And they are, both, but they're both flagships. Both flagships. Yeah. Both super interesting. So important to both of these brands. Um. And and to to tease it, I think both brands did a pretty good job on them. You know, I, I got a little poopy about the Goldwing, but I think overall I'm very positive about it. I think. Yeah, sure. I think if you're in that market. That's the bike you're buying.
1: And you're doing the due diligence at doing what you do as a journalist is to call out some of the shit, right? Yeah.
0: And I don't think I'm saying anything that, no. that anyone else was, was disagreeing. Um, just to throw it out, I think the first episode that we're going to do for the, the motor podcast will be the Honda Goldwing uh, kind of roundtable. So people should listen for that. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Panigale because a day in Spain is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no uh, rain. rain. In Spain, Lorraine. In Spain, no pain. In Spain, I should. Have, we should have thought about this ahead of time. <laughs> we could have, We could have. We could have slayed this, and we're just <laughs> totally screwing it up right now. Sorry, but yeah, um, the bike's awesome. The bike's awesome. I, I struggle to say bad things about it. Not one and, aspect and I, of. There's nothing about that bike. And I want to be. I want to be critical of Ducati and sure. give them the hard the hard time. It's and, just that and it doesn't Fanboy that's got bikes in their garage. It doesn't look
1: that great, but let's face
0: it. It still looks pretty good. It's well, not like we're
1: calling the thing ugly. The thing is not ugly. I will not say it's ugly, just because there's parts of it that I don't like, and it looks like a you know, Kawasaki Ninja that's red. No, no. But,
0: but no. that's the way I feel. No. Um, the I'm trying to pull it up on my computer so I can get your reaction, but my iPad's being slow. Yeah, here he goes. the the the, the old Panagali was a good looking motorcycle. Yep. The new Panagali looks just like the old Panigale. It's a good looking motorcycle, but here's the biggest problem of that, Quentin. Look at this picture. Do you know what bike I'm on?
1: Uh, I mean, is hard. that from the death match?
0: Yeah. Right. I mean that's that's the thing when you see. I have another, I think I posted another photo to social media. When you see people on the bikes, they look like they're on the old model. Sure. It's really hard to tell them apart. And I guess it's if better without
1: being on a 999, right? Yeah, to them, they're it, so scared of that. Maybe that's the deal. Right? Well, that's
0: the thing. Like, I just, like, that's the part that really gets me. There's two parts about this bike that I don't like. And then you and I can sit down and talk about all the cool shit. One is the styling that looks exactly like the old bike. And for something that's so radical, so new, and has so many features and is so cool. Like if I show up at a bike night and people don't know their Ducatis very well, or if someone doesn't know their Ducatis very well, they're gonna be like, "Oh, that looks like last year's bike. Because that, that That's cool V twin, cool V twin." I would have
1: made it look like the MotoGP bike, yeah, As, or a
0: lot closer or, or to something. Yeah, do something, sure.
1: anything. yeah. It,
0: it's just really hard unless you really know your bikes. It's gonna look exactly like the old one, and you just drop like so. The V4s is twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars. The base model is twenty one thousand two hundred dollars. So you're dropping twenty grand plus at least to look like the old bike. Like for me, that's like, oh, uh, what are and you doing? Tell
1: me you couldn't find. Let's see, twenty seven five. I bet I could find a twelve ninety nine for almost half of that. Very close to half of that, and i'd I'd be looking pretty much the same, and I'd be going like stink. And I'd be pretty happy doing it because that bike's good, right? Is it that much better than the twelve ninety
0: nine or from is it- from like a uh so we've talked about this on the show before how motorcycles are more akin to other consumer goods than this are than they are like say automobiles. They're like, you know, Oh, cell phones are like computers, they're yeah. like hiking boots. Sure. You have to have a certain amount of product lust. And I think that's what like strong brands like Apple are really good at, where they use their design to evoke a certain amount of product lust. Where, like, I look at that and I have to have it. I don't even know what it is, but the new one. Looks, and I have to have the new one, even though I have cool, last year. And I need to have the look cool thing. Kati blew it on this category, just blew it. There's nothing about the Panigale V4 when I look at it. I'm like, yes, sir. Can I have another? I need to have that in my garage. That is so beautiful. That is such an eloquent machine. I lust after it. If I could find a way to have it, you know, bear my future children, I would, <laughs> you know, like, but then after and you I, and I look it, at every motorcycle that I've ever bought and I have that reaction to them. That's, that's part of the reason I bought those bikes. That bike in particular was like, oh, that's gorgeous. That is, that is the synergy of machine and design, and I need to and, have And it. you don't have that until you
1: rode it, and then after you ride it, and then you're that's like, yeah, thing. I kind of need it. That's the thing,
0: because you get on the bike, and then you're like, oh, my God, it's so good. It's so good, but it's so expensive. And this yeah. was one of the things that people were asking me a lot about is this or an rc 4 You know, would you buy it? Which one would you buy and I'm just like,
1: man, 20- I'd still be smashing an RSV4 27? until one of these comes up
0: used, <laughs> you know? And like, and I look at the Sorry. RSV4s and I'm like, oh, I get the RR before I would get the RF. And then like, you're like, man, that's like a $12,000 difference. That's ridiculous. I no, you, get don't get of- you don't get the cachet.
1: You don't get to be the fancy new person with the Ducati, which, you know, for a lot of us, it's like, don't care any longer. Yeah. Or that actually is a negative. It's almost a pejorative. Oh, you're a Ducati owner, I think
0: Ducati owners don't care about the fact that they're Ducati owners. No, this is true. You're you know? right. You're right. Um, so there's like a part of them just like, oh, you guys, like, and the, the euro is a little weak, and there's a little kind of a thing. And there's some features where I can see, like, yep, yeah, you had to command a premium over the outgoing bike because there's certain things this does. Like, what we'll get to that. There's a lot of electronics and changes and yeah, stuff yeah, that sure. we'll get to, yeah, yeah.
1: But I'm just kind of like, I mean, above and beyond the fact that there's a couple of extra cylinders. A lot more extra stuff going on inside that engine. It's got to be expensive to manufacture, even compared to a twelve ninety nine. I yeah. I bet. I bet yeah. it is not hugely, but enough.
0: I mean, I think you're making like Ducati's apologies, but I don't necessarily disagree with you. But it is one of those things where I'm just like, mm, man, put me in the. If I'm just sitting there and being like, which bike's the better bike? Ducati's the better bike. Sure, it's the better bike. Like which you can are, say that. Which am I going to buy? Super tightwad Jensen that doesn't spend, like, $3 to fix a stupid wheel bearing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's really expensive. Sure. But it's so good. So, so we're at Valencia. Perfect day. Super technical track, which I thought was really smart by Ducati, because it would have been really easy for them to take us to Magello. It's time to go to Monza, and you or, get to let it scream. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Pick a track that's really fast. You know, I, for me, it's like Magello it would be, like, the quintessential track for an Italian superbike launch, huge long front straightaway where you could just show off this 214 horsepower beast that you've created and, you know, fast flowing, fun to ride. So you know, people are going to have a good time and you don't really have to worry too much about it showing like the weaknesses of the bikes. You're just showing all the strengths. Yeah. And it's like, like the quintessential Italian, like, you know, I'm making a a hand motion that people can probably recognize. Flagellation. Flagellation. So, I like the fact that they're like, yeah, we're going to take you to a pretty technical track that's pretty short, that's really going to be more about chassis dynamics and handling and braking than it is outright power. And I'm like, all right, kudos to you.
1: Because that would be one of the few things that was a negative about the original, let's call it the 1199. Yeah. The first time most of us got on it, we're like, well, it's amazing, it's fast, and it's light. It burns up rear tires pretty well, and it doesn't really feel that fantastic. And I'm going to have to make some adjustments. But there's all these adjustments. But then the people were racing them and not really going that well on them. Nobody was able to find the setups well. It was like the early BMW S1000R, where it's like, you know, it's good. It's it, On paper, it's rad. Why isn't it better? Why isn't it faster? Why isn't? aren't these lap times as good as the ones I was doing on my 1098 or 1198, et etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Right. Whereas this one it's pretty fucking clear right off the bat that it is a faster bike that does things better, that handles better, that brakes better, that accelerates better, yes?
0: Yes. With the caveat that it is a cheater, 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 cheater motor with 1,100 cc.
1: Yeah, 1, 100, cc's. 100 cc's, meh. I, I'm well, a,
0: just I'm, it's 10% a, more displacement. 1299
1: I guess, is my answer to that, right? it's just
0: I just say that because it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. It's an apples to pears, and Ducati's playing that game, and I don't like it, but I get it. Yeah, sure. Same you know, here. for me, the, the OCT, OCD guy needs like 1,000 cc's versus 1,000 cc's.
1: And you'll get it, but it'll take a year.
0: Well, and then that's like the $40,000 bike versus the $18,000 bike, and it's yeah. not a fair comparison. So they're, they're playing that game. And oh, by the way, Ducati is very keen to do any sort of head-to-head comparisons now. I bet. And I'm like, yeah. Because you got the new bike out with with 100 cc's or, extra with 100 cc's extra now but it's granted, not the 100
1: cc's that's m- going to make the difference from my standpoint on the on the high horsepower numbers it's the 15 fucking 1000 rpm redline or 145
0: 14, 14, right
1: 145 that is unreal and right? then you
0: put the the Ducati performance Akrapovic exhaust on and it which, allows you which to- then has the ECU update which puts your redline at 15000
1: which is that's
0: amazing. Right? And that's the thing, it's and that's really high for it, a thousand. And from a rider's perspective, this is kind of going back to the eleven ninety nine days, yeah. high RPM. Where we are back to a super revvy motor. You need to keep it on the boil. Like the first time I got out there, now granted, like I don't know Valencia from from Adam, so I'm having to learn this track the first session, and I'm just poking around. And I look down, and I give it some gas, and I'm like, why am I not going anywhere? And I realize, like, oh, I'm in fourth. And like a second gear turn, and I'm like, oh, well, that's weird. But my butt dyno's like not used to. Oh, I really need to keep the revs up. I really mm-hmm. need to get on the boil here. Sure. Like putting around really isn't the thing. As like you, a normal person on a four cylinder inline, right? Right. You're right. used to. You um, gotta. You gotta yep. kind of re switch the brain there a little bit. And then you know once you get up to speed and you're hitting your 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 apexes and your markers. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, this starts making more sense. But it is very, very, very ready. And you definitely got to... Let keep, keep, it yep. keep it on the ball. Got to keep it on the ball. You got to manage that. Whereas like the Panagalli, an- especially like the 1299 Panagalli. No. Well, definitely the 1299, not the 1199. The 1299, you kind of you kind of get away with being a little lazy. Yep. short shift that thing yeah. and just kind of
1: brap around as that's the beauty. And I'll say it. I've said it many times on the show. I'll continue to say it. That's the beauty of the twins is you can be lazy. And this is the problem that that we encountered when we were dealing with the 1199 is that it went from an 1198 to which sounds like it should be similar, but it wasn't. No. We're talking about a way different bore and stroke, a no. way different power production, and it got, it was high RPM, super square, over square bore and all that, and it wasn't as easy to ride.
0: No, and this is an 81-millimeter bore. It's the same as MotoGP, yep. so it's pretty over square. Yep. So you're doing that game, and I think that's why, that's part of the reason why Ducati did the 1100cc displacement was so this bike wouldn't be a huge culture shock to Ducati owners. So you get the little extra displacement. You're going to get There's a little, little bit, bit more, more torque, punch in the
1: mid range. Yeah,
0: and it's kind of <sighs> like that stepping stone to get us down to like a liter displacement. Because the
1: thousand that's going to be made for the super bike class, I guarantee you, is going to be a nasty, high revving, peaky motherfucker. Right. Yeah. Speaking of peaky, oh, nope, change your no, mind. Kitty peak there.
0: She's doing another thing she's she's ugh. adorable um so yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting thing uh the V4 sounds good twin pulse firing order sounds same a- as the old desmo city as right? as old desmo. everybody's like oh same this is a new GP. thing i'm like no it's the same uh, fucking thing same as, fucking as the Des- Des-
1: they have this they have this recipe they figured it, it out it worked well for them in the beginning of the of the MotoGP era, and it it's working well, worked well on that street bike to a point, the, the yeah. RR. Now, I would love to see that engine next to the Desmos RR engine because that Desmos RR
0: engine was a big lump,
1: right? Not that big, but big enough, and I bet this thing is just right in tight. It's
0: pretty tidy. It's a little bit wider, but it's definitely a lot shorter in height and a lot uh, shorter in length, Um And it's, it's good. I mean, it sounds, it sounds good. It makes, it has a very nice power band of torque between, what is it, 8500 and like 13,000 RPMs. Yep. That's your sweet spot. That's where you want to keep it all day long. Just keep
1: it in there and row through the gearbox. And it's up and down, uh, up
0: up and down quick shifter. So let's go through the electronics. There's a lot up and down quick shifter. You got your standard traction control with an independent slide control with an independent wheelie control. So that's pretty standard stuff. So you
1: set the tracks control and then you can adjust the wheelie control and the slide control completely separately right. to do more sliding or more right. wheeling. Okay. Right. Uh, and it's easy
0: to do. super easy to do. The interfa- I should say the interface is so good. Like This is something I harp on all the time that feels like I'm splitting hairs, but it's something that's very visceral and important to me. The, the user interface design on motorcycles is so bad. Ducati must be listening to the show because they got this so, so right um super easy most of the the electronic settings it's like two button pushes to make it set it and change it
1: instead of a button push a couple more buttons push and get into a different but you still have to roll off the throttle to change modes i would assume right no
0: throttle map throttle modes yeah we're on a racetrack i'm only in one
1: yeah so you stayed in race the whole time yeah you concentrated this that should be something that you should qualify
0: I, this discussion I had discussion 90 with. minutes on this bike. I had four sessions plus a warm-up. So it's not a lot of time to really kind of dick around a lot of things. When, it's, when you think the warm-up and the first session for me is all the about track. learning the track. Yeah. Second session was like, okay, now I kind of know where the turns are. Now I'm starting to put together yeah. my brake markers and my, and my shift points and my stuff. Sure. Third and fourth session after lunch is when I'm actually getting out there and hauling the beans. And you were able to do
1: that? Yeah. and and adjust all the things you needed to adjust to be i must have had like a
0: 30 second delta from first session to fourth session sure easily it was so interesting i like that would be the more interesting thing to talk about at a later time that was that was interesting for from me. the
1: riding standpoint just from of, the
0: rider's point of jensen view,
1: jensen goes to the press launch and, and and at a high level how long is it or have you been to one of those for a, a big bore sport bike at this stage yeah, I did
0: the Panigale R at Coda.
1: Okay, yeah. So yeah. you you've done it a few times. Done it a few times. No, and then, and what we were, made this different or special? We
0: were the first people at Coda when we did that. So that was another one. that one I remember. First lap, there was like a journalist in every term because no one had been there before. This one, at least uh, a couple of my colleagues have been there a couple times, and we sure. had a car journalist with us who had been there on the cars, but not on bikes. So I was definitely the rookie. Right, fair enough. Which is good. Um,
1: All right, so let's go to the bike. The more electri- Sorry, electronics. Oh, look for, before we go to electronics, brakes fine, probably great. Brakes are great. Suspension. Don't really in general. see any
0: difference between the the new. What they call it, the uh, M50 to M whatever. It's the M50, and they call it now like the. It's not Stradale. What is the Specialite now? It starts with an S. I don't know. Shh. Super Legera? No. No. Stradale. I'm never going to be able to find this on the computer in like a reasonable amount of time. I would say no no real improvement or changes on the brakes. They say the brake calipers weigh less and are maintain the same level of rigidness. So, so whatever. The bottom whatever. line is there's no Fine. issue. Uh,
1: the suspension, suspension you can't talk about without talking about the electronic right. aspect of it. So you might as well start then Let's we, get into that. We went from so you we, we've so far we've covered that it has up and down quick shifter. Um, trash control. Trash control, but with wheelie control and slide control. Right. Which and were now, on the previous generation bikes. Yep. Work is advertised. Sure. And then now electronic suspension, electronic but suspension. it's a little bit different than the normal. In the previous iteration of the uh, bikes, it wasn't necessarily active or it was on the 1299.
0: Semi-active on the 1299 S. Yep. Same issue here, but this is the new, this is version two from Ollins. Okay. So this is this would be one of the reasons why you would look at the S over the base model. It's one of the places where they differentiate. And it's really good. Like, I really have to give credit not only to Olins but also Ducati. Because again, I come back to that interface. So one of the issues I had in the latter half of the day was coming out of the final turn, getting on the gas and getting tons of head shake. Just head shake, head shake, head shake as it's trying to pull up the, the front wheel all the way down the front straight. Not like a tank slapper, but, but just wigging. every gear, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Having wiggle. to ride the wiggle. Ride the wiggle. Thank you, Nikki. And I'm like, okay, well, let's let's figure that out. So I go in and I go into the menu system. And first of all, it's like, it's really intuitive and easy to get to. But then it's like, okay, I want to change the suspension. And it's not like, oh, rebound, dampening, yeah, you know, sure. dampening, yep. and compression, they, they rebound, not, preload. They not necessarily dumb it down, but they dumbed it down to where you don't have to worry about that. It's so good where it's like it breaks it down mid-corner. And then you go like, okay, mid-corner, what do I want? And, it's, and it doesn't <laughs> say like, okay. It's such a big deal. And, and it makes it really obvious. It's like, do you want more grip or do you want more stability? And you can change like up and down. And That's it kind of shows you deal. on the little slider where you are and they're like okay yeah acceleration same thing do you want more i forget what the the each one was a little different in terms sure. of like what the stratifications were but i could go in and be like steering dampener do i want it more stiff or more loose and i can every single component or every single use of the suspension they break it out breaking stability yep. you know, during breaking during mid corner during acceleration during the the steering dampener and you sit there and you're just like yeah, that's how it should be. Break sure. it down into terms that people can understand. So yep. you don't need to be a crew ch- excuse me. You don't need to be a crew chief to understand how to do this. That was really smart and it's a very intuitive layout. You click your settings and you do that and the olins will still dynamically change. It's yeah. it's stuff on the fly. But now it knows like, "Oh, well, this rider wants more front end feel." So maybe our rebound or our compression are at a level 10 instead yep. of level five
1: or the or the Delta between the rebound and compression might change or whatever the thing is. There's so many different things that could be doing. That's an, and that's awesome that it's, and it
0: works really well. I mean, I didn't have my lap timer going on the final session where I like dicked around with all my settings, but I felt so much better on it. I eliminated that head shake. I was on rails. I was loving every minute. Did of the
1: other journalists have a similar experience. Yeah. Or did you talk about it with them? We yeah. talked
0: about it a little bit. A couple guys had the same head shake issue and we were fiddling around. Um. So yeah, kudos to to Olin's for putting that package together and, and Ducati because it worked really, really well. And that's a good segue into another another system. So the ABS uh, has been modified as well. It's, it's Bosch's latest edition of its cornering ABS. And what this allows is basically trail breaking up to the apex with uh, a security blanket. Yeah, you know, a With a with with safety net. Sure.
1: And those, so their first iteration, you kind of could, but not not as extreme? I don't know. I Yeah, never...
0: I mean, they called it... So the very first edition of this, when it came out, it was like for street use only. And I don't think Ducati ever really put that on the Panigale. Yeah. And then they did what they call like the race version, which, which was a version of this. Now they've gotten a little bit more sophisticated. So ABS-1 is kind of what you would expect, where it's ABS on the front wheel, no ABS on the rear wheel. And... They say that you can trail brake up to the apex with safety. But if you grab a handful of brake with a panic stop kind of situation, yeah. you will lock the front and tuck it. Yeah. Where things get interesting is the ABS 2 mode. ABS on both wheels. You can trail brake the front brake up to the apex. Still grab a fistful of brake and the bike will save itself. It will intervene quick enough that it'll you won't huh. tuck it. But more interesting is now it has a rear wheel slide issue for the rear brake.
1: That works in conjunction
0: with the, the slide control? No, it is separate. Okay, so this is to it's go... Like, it's like en- the corner it's entry. entry. It's, okay, the, it's the backing it in like a Moto2 Star mode.
1: Uh, you got to imagine. And, and for a lot of racers, the rear brake was an aid... For It was almost like trash control. A lot of people would use, Freddie Spencer would talk about using the rear to, you know, get on the throttle, get the thing spinning up, but then having the rear to kind of keep it from spinning too much. So that's, in my brain, that's what I thought of Thirst. This makes maybe more sense to, okay, corner entry, you could be on the rear, and you can
0: dial in slide there. Yeah, so it's really, it's kind of cool. Now- I have a hard time like understanding like when people are going to use this because I feel if you're someone that knows how to step out the rear wheel. And then you already know how to do it with a clutch or with a
1: – And if yeah. you don't
0: know how to do it, you got no business trying because you're going to end up in a in a thing. But maybe Unless this you is,
1: have a a, a button because now, now you have the
0: button. So it's kind of cool <laughs> where – So when you actuate through a brake, you really you really got to like try to lock it up, which is really hard to do. Yeah, your brain does not want to do it. Right. If you know what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it this way. So what you do is you lock up the rear wheel, you push down as hard as you can on the lever, give the bike some lean, give it some good front brake. I think you need to be going at least 65 miles an hour. Uh, There's there's certain thresholds of when it kicks in. But you feel the ABS, do like a quick little cycle, do like one or two pulses. And then it modulates the rear brake pressure to allow the rear end to come around. And I think that it's up to 12 degrees.
1: that's so gnarly dude just the idea that they're they're able to do this right so
0: it's not locking up the rear wheel it's using the abs to modulate the pressure to get that that rear wheel to slow down and to step out and then you go on your way pretty cool pretty cool i don't know i'm waiting for it to come to the hypermotard that's the bike yeah sure but what I'm a- waiting for is MotoGP
1: to have no more electronic controls is what I'm waiting for. I think of all these things that have probably been used for a decade and how it's pressing the easy button in a... Sure, you have to be able to tune the bike for this, but I I don't like the idea that this is something that you can just take away the the skill that is the the modulation of the clutch and the rear brake and the slide in. And then the, be having the having to manually do that with your wrist on the way out instead, you have to... And it does take just as much skill on the engineering side to get that shit to work, but I think it does make it way too easy.
0: You know, like I come back to the thing: if I'm going to spend twenty seven, twenty eight thousand dollars, sure, I want to look the part. I want to look like Rossi. <laughs> I want to look like Davi. I want to. Sure. I want to be the guy. Want to yeah. be the Marquez. Sure. So why not have the rear wheel slide? It's cool. Yeah, I like no it. No doubt.
1: I absolutely. I'm, I I can't wait to try it for sure. No right. doubt.
0: So that was, that's an interesting little new item that I, that I really enjoyed and thought, that like all right, that's some clever shit. Now nah, that's a Bosch system. That's not a Ducati system. I think they have an exclusive on it for like a year or two. Yeah, sure.
1: But bottom line is they had to work with them. That, that can't be just... You, you're not just going to throw that system at an existing bike. It has to be engineered with the bike as well, right?
0: Speaking of which, we should talk about the tires. Okay. Pirelli Supercorsa SP V3. So it's their third generation of, of that tire. But the more important thing... Two hundred sixty
1: seventeen. So a 16 out of 55. Yeah. So a big, thick f-
0: balloon on the rear. It looks like a balloon. It's the same size that they use in Superbike yeah. on slicks. Yeah. And so it's derived from that. In fact, when Ducati was uh, developing the Panigale V4, they started out with World Superbike spec slicks sure. to get the stuff kind they of going, going before Pirelli came in. They going to
1: murder World Superbike with this bike. Once they get it in, they're oh, just going to yeah. run roughshod over the entire... I don't think the, that the rest of the field is going to recover. This my. I'm going to. I'm going to lay this out. Kawasaki's going the fuck down, and I don't think there's going to be much competition for a long time.
0: We've already seen Kawasaki scale back how much it's spending sure. on its superbike program compared to Ducati. The question is, do they answer in kind? Sure,
1: they they can they can scale back because their bike's so good, their team is so good, their riders are so two good, of the best riders. They don't in the have world. to worry yeah. about it because it is a good package and yeah. they have it set. Yeah. But. And Ducati, meanwhile, has been putting quite a bit into it with a turd wedge of a bike. And now this thing is going to be...
0: We fucking. should have prefaced at the beginning of the show, this bike was built to win World Superbike. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Oh. Period. That's all they care about. And if they sell some bikes along the way, cool. <laughs>
1: you think so? Absolutely. I didn't think it was that extreme, but fair enough.
0: I think, I think they wanted to... I think they're feeling like their time in MotoGP is coming. They want to have the Superbike thing. I think they want to be the guys. The guys and gals, and gals, yeah, absolutely. And the, on the on the
1: GP side, they have to be seeing that the GP isn't translating to say, to unit sales. It's good. It's in a wonderful halo. They have to do it to keep their their DNA, but it's not doing the thing that a good superbike team would have been doing for the
0: past ten fucking years. I right? think I think Ducati is proof that race on Sunday, sell on Monday is total bullshit, because they have sucked for so long and have had record sales throughout that entire period. Yeah, sure. So sure, let's but just completely debunk that You say that record
1: same. sales, but on the Superbike side, everybody's languishing, and they haven't done that great. Now they want to get back a little bit of that and keep their street bike cred up, whether it be for a, a Scrambler or for a Multistrada. To have a, a world Superbike winning, it adds a lot of legitimacy for sure if it's not just a MotoGP bike but their street bike. You know? Right. Right. I, I think, think there's a balance with that. with that that they need to find and they're gonna do that. I think that's it's good to hear. Good to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's um I mean, like we were sitting around afterwards, uh, talking about it, and um again, we'll have a, a kind of a round table on the motor podcast. But it was really hard to come up with things we didn't like. Chassis handles really well. That front frame design, it works. There's no excuses. It's, cockpit's
1: good, comfortable. Cockpit's
0: great. I mean, it, it the riding position feels like the old Pentagon. Yeah, sure. So there's no there's no real changes there. Um, you know, my issues with that machine are still the ones I had when I first saw it. And when we first heard kind of about what it was gonna be and saw the spy photos, it was like, no, it looks just like the old one. I don't lust after it like I do. Like when the like when the eleven ninety came out, eleven ninety nine came out. I lusted over that. I was like, that's a good looking bike. I want one of those it's not the case here. It's like that design is how old is that design? 2012.
1: So, um, I mean, as far as like when it was first designed, I think the, well, I mean, when it came out to the public, yeah,
0: 2012. So super, it's been, it's been around. Yeah. It's kind of stale. Price is really tough. It's really, really tough. But I think if you want the best bike on the market, that's, that's what it's going to be. Now the question will be, What do the other brands do in response? Yeah, sure. Does because when you look at the superbike regulations, we've they have so obviously created a market for homologation specials. So it is kind of those things where forty thousand euro bikes, you only have to make like two hundred and fifty of them a year. You might as well just make a super trick one. Make one for the racing, but you don't think make one for the street. So why why wouldn't? Let's say Aprilia. Why wouldn't Aprilia want to come out with an 1100 cc RSV4? You obviously can with what the Tuono the, the is Twono doing. Is,
1: yeah,
0: uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know from an engineering point of view if there's limitations sure, that start sure. changing internally. But obviously, those cases can do it. You know, so do you do that for the RR and then the RF becomes the 1000 cc bike and then you know this becomes like a a kind of a thing because. For Ducati, I can get it where it's like, Hey, yeah, we can, we can punch it up to 1100, 1200 CCs and still be one of the lightest bikes on the market. Whereas like before, you know, let's say 10, 15 years ago, if you add another 100 CCs, you're adding like another 30, 40 pounds. So there is kind of like this like detriment to, to doing the whole no replacement for displacement yeah, game. Sure. But if you've got the chassis design and the technology that allows you to do it, why not? And maybe that's where people start going with it. I don't know. I'm very curious to see what the response from the other manufacturers is going to be now that Ducati is doing this game with a four cylinder, not a two cylinder. Yep. Be very, very curious. But um, you know what I didn't like about that bike one? Nah. Oh no. And like this is like legit. This is this is this is one of those nitpicky stupid things. You couldn't get your foot onto the kickstand. The fucking worst kickstand ever designed. Really? Period. Why? Period. It was so it's bad. It's pretty.
1: Have you looked at it closely?
0: It's really beautiful. It was so bad that the Ducati tech guys in like the pit lane, when you came in, they would rush over and grab the bike by the friend. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. no. Like you, you like start hunting for the yeah. like, no, 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 no. no. It's okay. I got it. I got it. It's they okay. They didn't want you, you to even have to like, is it so bad that you actually have to get off the bike? Did not ever get the kickstand down with my foot. I had to reach down with my hand every time and flick it. I tried it with my toe. I tried it with my heel. My heel. It's so far forward. And the uh, the bottom of the kickstand is directly underneath the rear set. So you can't uh-huh. get it from there. So you have to go to the nubbin. And the nubbin is so small that even if you find it, even if you get your foot on it, you just slip right off because there's not enough of a... And, and the purchase is so Some bad. Some people have trouble finding the nubbin. It's a tough thing to find sometimes. It's, it's, the, nubbin, the nubbin is real. <laughs> it's not a myth, but it's very difficult to find. Uh, well, so never got it down, <laughs> got it up a couple times, yeah. but never got it. Down. All right. Well, that's all that
1: matters. That's but all yeah, that matters.
0: I was sitting there and I'm like dicking around a thing in the pit lane and the entire time I'm like, this is going to be all we talk about on the podcast. Oh, dicking around this with is, an oven. This <laughs> just... I, like, Quentin and I are going to have, like, a 20-minute conversation about this stupid uh. fucking kickstand. It is so bad. Like, <laughs> like, I just sit there and I'm just like, what were you guys doing? The irony. What were you doing? Oh, I got another story to tell you. This is a good one. Claudio Domenicali. Not a slow guy. No.
1: He's not a slow he's, guy he's, at all. You, you don't fuck with that guy. Absolutely.
0: So So, they had for us the... Uh, what they were calling like the performance bike. So it was a V4 S, but it had the exhaust and yeah. a bunch of parts from the catalog. Two hundred twenty six horsepower. My first session was on that bike, which was a totally wasted experience because yeah, I didn't know where I was going. But the last session, I go to line up to go out, and I see my buddy Claudio over there on the performance bike lining up behind me, and I'm like, all right, game on. Here we go. He's going to be coming around at some point. Sure. And so we're going around and halfway through the session or whatever, I kind of start seeing him in my mirrors. I'm like, all right, here he comes. And we go through turn four, five, maybe six. It's a left-hander kind of onto a quick straight and the photographer's right there. And it's a good spot to get the wheel up. And I see Claudio coming and we kind of time it. And so he's coming around me on the outside and I'm popping this huge wheelie and I'm looking at the camera and I'm like, this is going to be so awesome doesn't get the photo destroyed And we, claudia and i go ride and he's super quick and i'm gonna put that down to the fact that he had 12 more horsepower than i did
1: mm, yeah he's when well, he was on a way faster he's bike.
0: on a way faster bike way faster bike no way like i was thinking about like is there another ceo in this business that can haul the beans like he can
1: no that's interesting I don't right know. yeah
0: so we get in and you know we pull in the pit lane we were like thumbs up to each other and park and then i go over and talk to some guys And he's talking to his little crew and he comes over and he's like, Oh guys, like that was our last session of the day. Guys, what do you think of the bike? And you know, the other general's like, Oh, Claudio is so awesome. Oh, you guys did such a good job. Oh, it was amazing. He goes, Oh, Jensen, what do you think of the bike? I'm like, Well, you know, Claudio, it's all right. WAP Slaps me across the face. Really? That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got bitch slapped by Claudio <laughs> Domingo at the Panigale V4 launch. Yeah, cool. That was kind of like the highlight trip because it's like that old like Italian, just yeah, like pop yeah. you on the cheek. Yeah, like for sure. You naughty like, little boy. You need to shut the fuck yeah, up. I, th- yeah. I think he said something to that effect. Yeah,
1: you need to shut the fuck up because I know you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah because We were
0: having, we were, we were going, we were having a really good that's time. That's really good. I'm glad. So I'm I like, I like that there's a CEO out there and that can, that can rip the beans and have fun. He can and bitch slap you on and off the track. <laughs> so hat, hat tip to him, sir. But yeah, it was uh, it's a really good bike. They're going to sell a shit ton of them. Yeah. They're going to sell a shit ton of aftermarket kickstands too cuz that thing's horrible. Let's put it up. Kickstand's up. Kickstand's up, Q. See you at the next one. All right, good talk. Koda. Koda Kitty. She's doing it. Ever since I got back, killing me, Koda. And she was, she did it fine yesterday.